The first podcast of the off-season is here. little tough to say. It feels a little bit weird, uh, but we're going to continue to reflect today on the series that just occurred. The Bucks going down to the Boston Celtics. I'm just going to ask a few questions of some of the stuff that I've seen and read uh, from you guys, the listeners from the media as well around the Bucks roster, around changes they could have made, and was there anything different they could have done uh, outside of just flat out win this game seven. Uh, I'm just going to throw my thoughts out there today in a solo podcast. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday. Uh, and uh, through the off-season, we're going to be rolling through as well. At some point, we'll cut back to around three uh, episodes a week. But uh, for now, for sure, you can continue to expect to see me on uh, most weekdays, uh, whether it's on the audio platform or, of course, on YouTube as well. And we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. Uh, just a quick note, particularly on YouTube, uh, if you haven't subscribed, do that. Uh, make sure you're commenting, interacting. That helps uh, push the show to the top. And you guys have certainly been doing that over the last few weeks. So we absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. So I've been thinking about this uh, Bucks game seven loss. I've been reading a bunch of media. Done a few radio hits uh, in Milwaukee this morning as well. And I understand that when a team gets eliminated from the postseason, typically uh, there has to be some something to blame. There has to be someone to blame. And there has to be, has to be some sort of scapegoat for the reason why the team didn't achieve uh, what they thought that they could. And we've certainly seen some of that in the media. Uh, a lot of it to me little bit humorous some of the stories i've seen whether the bucks have been solved has Giannis been solved well first of all Giannis wasn't solved he averaged 33 points 15 rebounds and seven assists per game he was the first player in the history of the league to uh, register 200 points 100 rebounds 50 assists in a series so if that's Giannis being solved good luck to the teams if they can't solve him in the future that's all i'll say about that but honestly as i woke up the day after i was I was thinking about it, and I got asked the question by Rami on the fan over there in Milwaukee, how I was feeling. And I said, honestly, I said on the scale of playoff losses that have been difficult to take, that have been frustrating, uh, this one was on the low end of the scale for me. I've kind of accepted it. I may have already accepted, accepted it at the start of the series. And I know uh, some of our listeners got stuck into me saying that I'd lost the faith or I had no confidence in Giannis. Uh, that wasn't the case. But I just thought that the, the series followed a script that was probably predictable at the start of the series. I didn't think the Bucs were going to have enough offense. Uh, even in the games that they won, I never felt that they were truly in control of the series, even though they led 3-2. to two. And ultimately... It did feel like this team was having to work 
significantly harder than Boston for absolutely everything, whether it was defensively, whether it was uh, on offense as well. And quite frankly, without Chris Milton, I just don't think that the Bucs, I don't think that they had enough. I didn't think that they had enough. I was hopeful that the defense and just the flat-out greatness of Giannis was going to be enough to carry this team home. But in the back of my mind, I didn't think it was going to be. And this is the nature of a team that has three players at the top end of the salary scale. In the Bucks' case, three players that are getting, you know, 30-plus million per season. Uh, but sometimes when you see these teams that have these high-salary players at the top, they might have two out-and-out superstars, three out-and-out superstars we've seen in the past. Uh, but that wasn't the case with the Bucks. They've got the one player that's on the path to absolute greatness in Giannis, and then they had two guys that are you know, top 20, top 25 players in the league. So very, very, very good players, uh, but they complemented each other. Drew, with what he can do on the defensive end, and then on offense as a complementary player, as a facilitator, as a guy that on occasions can really uh, have big nights offensively, but then you had your one shot maker, you had your one score, you had your go-to guy when you needed a bucket, when you needed to, to release the pressure. And if you had a lost Drew Holiday, I don't think the Bucks win this series. You lose Chris Milton, I don't think you, you, you're going to win the series either. And as I pointed to on last year's, uh, last night's, the post-game show, I said that I said during the season multiple times that the Bucs don't get a healthy Brook Lopez back, they're not winning the title. Uh, I was assuming or hoping, I had my fingers crossed, that Drew, Chris, and Giannis were going to be healthy as well. And then I think they could win the title. I think they could have won the title, uh, but it wasn't the case. And they lose in seven. And in a lot of ways, I, I'm still kind of shocked that they were able to take it to seven games, uh, seven games. And a big part of that, of course, is what Giannis was able to do. And I will never, I don't think I could ever, as long as I live, be more amazed by an individual athlete than Giannis and what he's able to put his body through. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I thought Bud said it right in the post-game a press conference last night. He was asked several questions about you know, Chris Milton, as everyone was. And and Bud said, look, we weren't as healthy as we would like to be at this point in the season, but nobody cares. And that's exactly right. And nobody should care. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, I think that we can all acknowledge that Bucks fans would be sitting around saying, if we had Chris Milton, I think this series would have been different. And I think that's perfectly fine. I think it would have been. I do think the Bucs would have beaten the Celtics if they had Chris Milton. That's just my opinion. I think when you look at what the defense was able to do, when you look at the totals that even in the wins, the Bucs were able to hold the Celtics to, I think it was a very attainable uh, score total. If you have Chris Milton in the lineup, I think he creates more open looks for the shooters. We'll get into the shooting a bit later, but I think it's not just the scoring with him. It's the facilitation. It's the pick and roll with Giannis. And then you have Drew as the third guy. It's the drive and kick that stuff that Chris Middleton and Giannis can do. The gravity that Middleton has on the on the perimeter. His ability to draw fouls on the perimeter as well. So there's a number of things that just would have freed up this offense that wasn't there. And I think that it would have changed the series. But I saw someone on Twitter say this, and they were also absolutely right. If you're a Bucks fan, you've got absolutely every right to sit here and say, I think if we have Chris Middleton... We win the series. Uh, but if you're a Boston fan, you've absolutely got the right to say, I couldn't give a shit. He wasn't there. We're moving on. And like the Bucks last year with Brooklyn, go win the title. And if they win the title, uh, nobody should be sitting here and saying it's some sort of fake title or it doesn't mean anything, just like they shouldn't have said it with the Bucks last year. One of the biggest elements of winning a championship uh, is having luck. And unfortunately for Milwaukee this year, 
It just wasn't there for them. And I can't sit here and try and say that there is one scapegoat or there is one person to blame. I think if you're trying to do that, and that's just my opinion, I think that you're just trying to to justify the reason why the Bucks lost this series when the answer is very simple. Uh, they weren't healthy. They lost their one of their absolute vital players at the worst possible time, and they weren't able to cover that. Look at the offense. 99 points per 100 possessions would have been the worst offense in the league by an absolute mile this season. They couldn't score. They didn't have their go-to guy. They didn't have the guy that carried them for significant stretches in the championship run last season. And ultimately, that was too much for them to overcome, despite how great and how brilliant Giannis was. Uh, When I see people talk about Giannis's legacy being tarnished by Bud and being tarnished by this team and this franchise, uh, I just say, look, Giannis can, we hope will, win another title, maybe multiple more titles. But I can guarantee you, he's going to need a bit of luck on his side. uh, And it just wasn't there this year. And that's really unfortunate because I do think this was a team that could have won the title. I think things were breaking for them as long as they were able to stay healthy. I want to get to a few other questions and certainly talking points with this Bucks roster, PJ Tucker being one of those. Dante's even Chenzo being another. Uh, I'm going to get to those after I talk about our friends at Price Picks, which is daily fantasy made easy. If you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to try the award-winning app Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and we know you will too. You pick two to five players and then over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Uh, and you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and the Google Play as well. PrizePix offers any prop that you can think of, from points scored to rebounds and even steals. So if you're interested, you can get involved uh, with the Eastern Conference Finals starting today, Boston-Miami, and then, of course, uh, Dallas. How about that, by the way? Dallas and Golden State. Uh, you can check it out at PrizePix. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer. For all of our users, users get 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for 50 bucks free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, that's prize picks daily fantasy made easy. And uh, one thing that did make me feel better this morning was a built bar. And you know that it's the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. And if you're feeling a little bit down, uh, don't go to the unhealthy stuff. Stick with the healthy stuff. Stick with Built Bar because just imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. Uh, I just received my birthday cake puffs and I've never had anything like this before. They're available right now. Uh, We can't promise they're going to be there tomorrow. So make sure you get to Built.com right now and check them out. And by the way, uh, the flavors are always changing at Built.com. So... Uh, Check in weekly, check in every couple of days, and you never know. You might see something you like there. I'm sure you will see something you like. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's get into some of this roster stuff. So, uh, you know, I was talking about people's desire or people's need to have some sort of scapegoat or blame someone. One of the easiest takes that I saw flying around a little bit yesterday was uh, the Bucks' demise or the problems of the Bucks first started when they didn't sign PJ Tucker. Now, 
first before I go on. Let me say, I do think that it was a mistake that the Bucks didn't sign PJ Tucker. I didn't really like it at the time. I will say, and I said this at the time, you can go back to the podcast and I remember talking about it with Frank. Uh, I would have I would have brought PJ Tucker back just because of what he did for this team. He's a champion. And yeah, he did play an important piece in the story. There's no doubt about that. I do really personally trust the Milwaukee medical staff, the conditioning staff, though. And my question at the time, because the easy thing to do is is just assume that the Bucks were cheap. Now, maybe they were. Maybe it was simply a financial decision. And if it was simply a financial decision, I have no justification for that. That was a mistake. That was wrong. They shouldn't have done that. But one of the things that I always ask myself is, did they consider that PJ Tucker at 36, uh, 37, however old he is, did he have another full regular season plus postseason in him uh, for the money? Because as much as we can say, well, you're cheap, I think that that might have been some sort of justification. We know he came to Milwaukee with some sort of injury. So that was at least one thing that crossed my mind. That's going back a long way. Again, still think they should have signed him. But the weird thing for, you know, for me about saying that PJ Tucker was some sort of difference in this series, I don't really buy it. Because again, if you, if you completely eliminate all the sliding doors moments, if you completely eliminate all the things that happened throughout the season and assume that the Bucks had the exact same roster plus P.J. Tucker, I'll buy it. That would have obviously helped because they needed a bigger defender. They needed someone with a bit more size rather than George Hill, rather than Grayson Allen, rather than Javon Carter. I know people love Javon, but he still didn't have the size. If they had P.J. Tucker to go along with Drew Holiday, to go along with uh, Wesley Matthews, then that would have been fine. I suspect Wesley Matthews probably wouldn't have been on the roster if P.J. Tucker was there. But even so, I, I don't think that P.J. Tucker... I don't know whether he would have swung this series. And you guys have heard me say this a lot. I know a lot of you don't disagree with me, and that's also totally fine. You know I don't care if people disagree with me. That's what this is all about. But I just don't think defensively the Bucks had a huge problem in this series. So I don't think PJ Tucker would have swung this. Now, one thing that we did loosely discuss was the possibility of playing Miami the next series. Now, that's where I will say it would have really hurt the Bucks if Giannis had to go from playing this Boston defense into the Miami series and then had to deal with P.J. Tucker. I think that that would have been a problem. I think that would have been a difficult situation for him to navigate another big body, a guy that knows him really well. So ultimately, I understand the frustration. P.J. will always be a legend, a Milwaukee franchise legend, what he was able to do. But I do think for the matchups that they had, when you think about DeRozan, you think about Tatum, I think Wesley Matthews, when you consider the, the offense-defense trade-off, you basically had a big body in there that was taking that number one guy that would have still had that matchup like PJ did against Durant, which freed up Chris Milton. Again, I come back to the fact that if Chris is there, I don't think any, I don't, I don't think you're really talking about PJ Tucker. I, I just don't. Like To me, I, 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 that's not something that I'm, I'm, re- I'm really angry about now, albeit given the current situation, which you didn't know at the time, you would have loved to have PJ, and I still would have signed him. But I didn't walk away from yesterday just thinking, geez, that PJ Tucker non-signing was the demise of this team. The other one is the Ibaka trade, because clearly a guy that the Bucs would have liked to have uh, was Dante DiVincenzo. If the Bucs were confident, and if they knew that Brook Lopez was going to be healthy and be able to withstand a playoff run, then maybe they don't make that trade. 
I'm certainly under the impression that perhaps Dante wanted a start somewhere else. And so I don't think it's as black and white as what it seems. Now, clearly, again, if you had have known, and if you remember, basically the day after or two days after the Dante DiVincenzo trade, Pat Connaughton goes down uh, with that facial injury. And we were saying at the time, goodness, if you had have known that, if that had happened two days ago, maybe the trade doesn't go down. That's one of those sliding doors moments. If you knew and looked into the future and said Chris Middleton was going to be down, maybe you don't make the trade in addition to understanding that Brooke Lopez might be healthy. But it's impossible to know all those things. So while we look at the trade now, and I think we can safely say it was it was a mistake, given what we know now, I just don't think that it's fair to say that the trade at the time was a, it was a mistake, uh, particularly from a position of mine on the outside where I don't know the status of Brooke Lopez. I don't know what the level of concern was uh, for his health. Clearly, it's unfortunate. Ibaka sat on the bench and wasn't didn't didn't have an impact at all in the postseason. Um, there was no need for him to, by the way. I mean, there was no room for him to play. The Bucks went super big against Chicago. Uh, they were trying to find different lineups, different rotations. How they keep Brook on the floor against Boston? Where can Bobby be effective? But ultimately, you weren't going to play Serge Ibaka in front of those guys. It was Brook Lopez insurance, and Brook Lopez was healthy, which ultimately was the best result for this team. It's just a shame that in the process, you lost a guy that you would have liked to have in that guard rotation because of injuries that happened later on. So that's probably the two biggest talking points. And again, it's easy to look at it now and say, don't trade Dante, just pay the cash for PJ. That's the simple stuff. But again, I don't think any of this is anywhere near as close to determining this Bucks winning an NBA championship this year than Chris Milton just staying healthy. That's how I look at it. That's how I see uh, this series playing out. Uh, as far as the offense goes, it was interesting because, uh, shout out to our guy, Dean Maniat, actually, who had these numbers because I, I was thinking about the three-point defense. And this is a question I've been asked a lot. It's certainly been a topic of conversation. And Bud was asked, uh, and Bud was asked about, you know, why they continue to defend the Celtics the way that they did. And I think it's a legitimate question: Should the Bucks have done something differently? But I think that there's a couple of factors or a couple of reasons why they didn't change anything up. And again, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm sure that a lot of people will disagree with me, our viewers and listeners. But I think that the Bucks were so desperate for any type of offense that they knew that they wanted to try and find a way, particularly with Brook Lopez, to keep him on the floor and, and have him as an effective player and limit the damage offensively. He had 15 points and 10 rebounds in this game. I thought they looked for him more than they did previously. Uh, we understand that Brook Lopez isn't going to be a guy that's going to be out on the perimeter and switch in. Certainly, it was problematic that not only did they shoot a lot of threes, but Grant Williams had about three and a half days to get each of these shots off, which was painful to watch. I understand that. But I do think a big part of it was the Bucks trying to trying to get offense from a guy like Brook out on the floor and maximize his minutes on the floor to be able to get another option to score. Uh, and secondly, I think that another part of it is we saw in game one in this series where they were playing full court defense. 
and expending a lot of energy. And I remember talking to it about Frank and saying, I don't know if this is sustainable for the entire series. I don't think that it would have been. Plus the shock value of playing full court defense obviously went out the window. But I just think when I looked at Giannis and how gassed he looked in the middle of this series, let alone in game seven, I think there was some thought to, okay, if we can limit Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which they did, they scored 42 points combined in game seven, which you would have to sit there and say, if you hold those guys to 42 points combined, mid 40s points combined, you're going to win the game. I think that you would have felt that. Unfortunately, they didn't. And the trade-off was hoping that these role players wouldn't shoot the three. Now, Grant Williams is a pretty good three-point shooter. So it's a dangerous game to play. And ultimately, you got burnt. But I think playing that defense had two two impacts. One, it allowed Brook Lopez to stay on the floor a little bit more and potentially use him offensively. I wouldn't say that worked perfectly, but I can understand that might have been the thought process. And B, it did allow the Bucks to expend a little less energy defensively. Now, I know that that doesn't make anyone feel better about it. I'm just saying that I can understand where the trade-off was for this Bucks team that knew they were well and truly up against the wall, understood that they couldn't score and didn't want to let Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get going. So, Look, that is the type of defense that has won the Bucs a lot of games. Uh, But there hasn't been a lot of games where the Bucs have been held to 81 points. And I just keep coming back to the fact that I look at the point total for the Celtics. Outside of garbage time, they're on pace for about 97, 98 points. If you come into a game seven on the road and you're told that the two star players from one team are going to be held to mid-40s points, on total, they're going to be on pace for high 90s. you got to take it. And, and it was painful to watch, and it wasn't ideal. And when you look at the three-point discrepancy across the series, it's painful, and it's impossible to overcome. But I just think that there had to be some sort of trade-off for this Bucks team, and ultimately they needed to find a way to score, which I'm going to get to after I talk about betonline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Uh, you can check out uh, the odds for these series. The Warriors will head in favorites against the Dallas Mavericks and uh, Boston. Tough for them to front up for this game one. We already spoke about this. It almost feels like a schedule loss for them against Miami. But you can get all the odds, the lines, the props, and everything else for the conference finals at betonline.net. Just use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So the three-point shooting, uh, and this kind of ties back into what we saw with Grant Williams, and this is where Dean uh, Maniart gave me the numbers because I, I'm not—I haven't watched the game again. I'm not sure if I will. Actually, I'm not sure if I'll go back and watch this one. It doesn't seem like something I need to do to myself, but. Uh, I asked Dean because I said, you know, I don't know. This is just what it felt like at the time. And maybe it was just because of the fact that I, I didn't think that these guys were ever going to hit a shot based on what we saw. Uh, overall in the series, I think the Bucks were around 30% from three. They were around 30% from three against Toronto when they lost. They were around 30% from three against Miami when they lost. Ultimately, we've discussed it a lot, but it's not a new trend for this Bucks team to be flat-out awful shooting the three in the postseason, which I think is obviously a, a big talking point moving forward. I mentioned it on yesterday's post-game pod. Uh, 
But when I was still in Milwaukee, I remember John Horse saying, I think this was after the Toronto series that they might have lost. I, I think he was talking about shooting that translates to the postseason. Not just good shooters, not just catch and shoot guys in the regular season, but under pressure, under heavy contests, uh, can you knock down threes? I don't think they've been able to find that mix. I don't, I don't look at the Grayson Allen signing as a complete disaster because, you know, much like Bryn Forbes last year, you know, he he was a, a major, major difference maker in the first round. Now you should say, well, did the Bucks really need that against Chicago? I don't know. But they were really struggling offensively again. And, and Grayson Allen was a guy that bailed them out. In this game against Boston, the numbers suggest, uh, this is, he Dean did message me this, so this is off the top of my head. But I think the Bucks were something like three for 26 in game seven on wide to wide open threes. I don't know. It didn't feel like that to me. It felt like the contests were pretty good. Uh, it felt like there was guys that were taking shots that they wouldn't normally do, whether it was off one dribble sidestep, step backs, on the move, curling around screens. It didn't feel like the shot quality for the Bucks was great. And I understand that. You've got to let it fly at some point. You've got to get these shots up. You've got to do your best to try and keep the scoreboard ticking over. And if those guys are going to be on the floor, they simply have to shoot the ball. Uh, it just never felt like they were able to generate a lot of good threes. And that's kind of a product of coming up against a team that will switch all the time with five guys uh, that are pretty capable on the perimeter. But it, it, to me, uh, again, it, it didn't... I, I walked away from this thinking, yeah, it was disappointing that all these guys shot poorly. I think that it's a major talking point moving forward and a major point of emphasis for this Bucks team to get better three-point shooters in the postseason because unfortunately, uh, you know, I tweeted about it yesterday, but it was a miracle that the Bucks made the NBA Finals last year. A big reason for that, obviously, Giannis and the greatness of Giannis and the other one was just straight up Chris Middleton bailing them out because a lot of other guys struggled. I think Pat Connaughton was pretty good in this series uh, against Boston for sure. I thought Bobby Portis had his moments, albeit uh, he was not able to knock down his shots. Yeah, but they need the role players, certainly. They're going to get better role players that can, that can knock down these threes. Uh, and, and again, I already mentioned it, but I think a big part of it uh, was that they weren't able to generate the shots. There wasn't the the gravity. There wasn't the fear factor from the Boston defense when it came to some of these guys without Chris Milton on the floor. So, uh, you know, tough going offensively for this team. I do think it was pretty predictable, um, but it doesn't make it any easier uh, to watch. There's no doubt about that. Phoenix was the other team that got bundled out. This is my final point for today's podcast. Phoenix got bundled out in a spectacular fashion. And I have to tell you, if you lose a game seven by 28 points and there's two game sevens on the day and you aren't even close to the most disappointing loss out of all those, it's uh, pretty remarkable stuff. The Suns were down by 46 points at, at one stage in this game. I did not see that coming. Devin Booker wasn't great. I podcasted with Sam Fasini last night. Obviously, he does great stuff over the at The Athletic. Uh, we finished recording and we spoke a little bit about the loss of Chris Milton. And this is something that I've brought up before. And, and it was mid-season, I think, when the, the Chris Milton slander was almost at its peak. And I said, look, let me go through some of the numbers here and compare to Devin Booker in terms of a guy that I think most people just automatically assume star, all-star, star scorer, can carry a team. Well, he can. Of course he can at times. But I don't think that he's... I, I, you know, and, and by the way, Sam said the same thing. He asked me, who would you prefer on this Milwaukee team right now? And I said, well, if you're talking about for five years, then obviously the answer is Devin Booker. He's a lot younger. He's been playing as a number one option. Maybe he's better as a number two option. Uh, who knows? But, you know, I think that Chris Milton, 
the numbers are comparable. Last year's postseason, Booker, 27.3 points, 5.6 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Chris Middleton, 23.6, 7.6, and 5.1. The shooting splits, 44-32-90 for Booker, 43-34-88 for Chris Middleton. And I just think that we see we see the difference between a guy that's that's rated right up here and a guy that's rated below. I don't know. Just food for some thought there. Uh, again, this is my last call for Chris Middleton to get some damn respect around here. Uh, but he was missed by the Bucks, and unfortunately, uh, this season is over. Let me know what you think. Of course, uh, I will be back. But for now, we'll leave it there for myself. Speak to you guys tomorrow.